I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Angela Harris is a business and mindset coach who founded Work of Heart, and that is what we are talking about today, following our hearts, our gut, our intuition. Angela shares her story of moving from athletic trainer in the CFL to where she is today and the signs she has learned to pay attention to along the way. She learned about working with heart in sports, but what does it mean to live with heart? Welcome, Angela Harris, to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you, Dana. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm delighted that we finally get to have this uh, conversation. We met a few years ago at a uh, speaking conference, uh, so I knew you had some interesting and good things to say, so I'm finally uh, glad we're able to to do this and share your insight with the world. Um, you started your career as an athletic trainer in the Canadian Football League because of your passion for sports. I think that's pretty cool, by the way. Mm, thank and, you. And, and also for your dedication to helping people. And because so many people told you you couldn't do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you rebel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, then after a 17-year corporate career in sales and marketing, you decided to pursue your own work of heart, becoming a full-time entrepreneur, business, and mindset coach. And work of heart is the name of the business which you founded. So uh, what does it mean, work of heart? You know, it means a lot of different things to different people. Um, You know, you'll hear, you'll hear often people, I've heard it more often, I'd say with nurses and teachers talking about their work of heart. And, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, something that you can pour yourself into, you pour your heart and soul into and you know it encompasses your passions and your vision and you know it it's about your life and you know too often people will talk about their work but they're not talking about heart and they're not talking about soul and they're not talking about um, passion in their work because they've kind of put it into this you know very rigid kind of formal box of things. And so, um, you know, for some people, work of heart is their, you know, their, their life work and what they do every day, nine to five. And for some people, their work of heart is not their, their day job, so to speak, maybe it's, you know, a passion project, or it's something that you feel called to do, or that you, um, that you just love to do. So. Mm-hmm. And yeah. why did, what, what called you to start this? I mean, it's pretty cool that you had, uh, you know, a career as an athletic trainer and then having a corporate career, which a lot of people see as maybe a safe or secure alternative, but to take the jump into entrepreneurship, what, what called you into that space? Yeah, I, it's funny. I, you know, I would love it to be this like, you know, movie type storyline of like, <laughs> I had this idea. And then I did this, you know, courageous thing. And then here we are, and everything is amazing. (laughs) But the reality is, you know, it's more like a, uh, if we do use the the movie example, it was more like a drama comedy, you never know what's going to happen next. But you know, the reality is, I, you know, along the way, the last number of years, I just felt like something was missing for me. And I was always trying to find happiness. And I was always trying to, you know, figure things out and 
I had felt for a very long time, like something was missing for me. And so, you know, along the way, um, I'm going to say probably five or six years ago now, I ended up with a health scare and a burnout. And, you know, I was in a very um, high stress, toxic environment at the time at work. And, you know, I, I ended up having to take time off work to, um, to get better and to um, take care of myself. And along that, you know, journey, you know, after that, I realized, you know, I wanted to make some changes in my life. No one was coming to save me. Um, you know, happiness really was going to start with me. And, you know, I, as I said, started making changes. I started digging into everything important to my overall health. So my mental health, my physical health, sleep, stress, meditation, you name it. And somewhere along the way, I thought, you know, this is not rocket science. This is not, you know, a lot of these things are common sense. And, you know, I had done a lot of event planning um, as part of my work. And at one point I was, you know, I started thinking, hey, you know, it'd be cool if somebody did an event and included this. And I'd keep collecting things, right? I'd be like, oh, yeah, someone should do an event and do that and add this. And, oh, that person would be a good speaker. Or, oh, that would be a cool backdrop or whatever. And then, you know, finally one day it was, you know, a couple years down the road, I realized that I should do the event. So, mm. you know, I so it started off with that. And I really just wanted to do the, the first event to help people help themselves. I had no intentions of it turning into um, me leaving the corporate world. But as I say, you know, um, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, we go down this path and we learn things and we, we learn what we want and what we don't want. And anyway... I could talk for hours about that, but yeah. So three years later, um, I, yeah, so I left corporate in 2018 and I'm going into my fourth year of business. Mm, which is awesome. You said no one was coming to save me, which yeah. I love this, you know, idea of personal responsibility and, yeah. and, and that you're boiling it down that you, you kind of get mad and you go, this isn't rocket science. What is wrong? Like, what is yeah. it I need to do to figure this out? Yeah. And you said, you know, bef- in when you were, maybe not you were searching for something yeah. it felt like something was missing did you figure out what was missing um yeah it's funny i think i figured a lot out a lot of things that were missing to be quite honest i i also realized that i was giving too many too much of my power away to other people so when i was saying earlier about no one was coming to save me i don't mean that in a negative way at all. I think when I say that, I mean, you know, I'd have managers at work, or I'd have, you know, friends or people, you know, people that I trusted, and that would, you know, readily give me advice if I asked them. And so I gave too much of my power away to them, I'd be, you know, they would say, like, Oh, well, Angela, what do you want to do next in your career? Like, how can we help you? How you know, what, what will happen here? And so you know, I would look to other people to kind of advise me and, and, you know, help me. And I'm putting in quotation marks, which you can't see, but like, figure things out, right? Like, what do I want? What's my vision? What are my goals? Like, and again, I would, I would think about it. And then I would feel like I needed to have a conversation with, with friends or, or, as I said, my um, coworkers or my managers at the time. And I kept trying to find something that, 
to be honest, like I needed to make the decision on and I needed to figure out what I wanted. No one else, no one else knows what I'm capable of. No one else knows, um, you know, what I truly want to do. And so I, you know, I really had to start tapping more into that and, you know, trusting, trusting the process. I, I get really, you know, hung up on, okay, here's, you know, I'm great at goal setting. I'm like, okay, here's the, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm going to go. Here's the, here's the plan. But as soon as something would derail on the plan, I would beat myself up or I'd be like, oh, well that didn't go well or, or whatever. And not realizing that sometimes like, you know, not getting what you want is actually, will actually lead you to exactly what you want. So absolutely. anyway, yeah. So, and I, I would say, um, sorry, I was going to say, no, go ahead. The, the last thing on that, I would say, you know, I have for many years been, you know, my goal has been happiness, trying to find happiness and, you know, okay, is it this, you know, is it this thing? Is it this job? Is it, you know, is it this event? Is it this whatever project, you know, and I'd, I'd complete something and I'd still would be missing, you know, I mm-hmm. still wouldn't have found it. And I realized not long ago that it starts with me. So that's, that's kind of how I came up with this, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. This is years and years of, you know, thinking and peeling back the layers and kind of digging deep. Have you come to um, define what happiness means to you? Hmm. Yes. I mean, I would say what it means to me today, you know, it might mean something different different tomorrow. Um, it definitely is something different than even it was for, for me a week ago. And I mean, for me right now, it's being present, it's being in the moment, it's being grateful for what I have. And, you know, as I said, it's realizing that I can be happy right now with what I have and where I'm at. And, you know, the experiences that have led me here. And even if they didn't go as planned, and even if they're not perfect, and even if they didn't kind of fit into this mold of what I thought it should be, it doesn't mean I can't be happy with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And how did you ultimately tap into what you want? Or do you feel like you're still tapping into it? Is it changing and shifting? Um, I think I've gotten, it's, uh, to answer your question, yes, it's still evolving. It's still shifting. And I've done a lot of work to realize what I don't want, which can mm-hmm. be very powerful when you're trying to make decisions and you're trying to work towards, you know, what your ultimate vision is. But, you know, I'm still, I think I'm still working on that. I'm still working on, you know, what I want my days to look like and what I want my, you know, weeks and months to look like, let alone, you know, 10 years down the road. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's okay. I think that's the other thing, you know, especially, you know, I'm a, you know, I recovering perfectionist. I'm a, (laughs) I'm a problem solver, overachiever, high achiever, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so for me, I had always had this mindset of like, you need to figure out exactly what you want. And then you make a plan and you go get it. And I, Mm -hmm. and I will, I will say, I think there's still an element of truth and importance to that. But the reality is, like, we don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. And so you can have a plan and a vision for what you want. But I think you also need to be open to, 
you know, the, you know, twists and turns and, you know, obstacles and things that are going to come your way. Mm. And, you know, funny when I hear you talking about, about this, and you, you said a few moments about, you know, like happiness is now that you can be happy today. And then you're yeah. also talking about goals. And interestingly enough, you and I were speaking at a conference, which was really about balance. <laughs> and, yes. and it feels like there's always this two elements, you know, it's the being and the doing, because we get to do all these yeah. goals and personal development, but we don't have to wait for the happiness or the that internal fulfillment, we can get that now while we're working towards all those goals. And it feels like it's always this back and forth. Um, yeah. that there's those two pieces that we can be happy and still work on things and things can still fail. And, yeah. you know, it's all of it. You know? I know. And that's the thing I, you know, it's funny when, when you're talking about balance, like I, and I'm also like a very visual person, but, you know, I think when we have in the past talked about balance, we think of like the typical balance, right? So I'm like holding my yeah. hands up right now. So it's like, yeah, okay, like, let's kind of keep this going like the right hand and the left hand. All right, we got this. Okay, so, you know, believing and trusting is on one side. And like, doing and goals on the other side, okay, we got to keep this, you know, keep this going. But the reality is, there's probably more like 12 arms to this, right? <laughs> and tentacles. I'm not saying you need to like, yeah, tentacles, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying you need to be um, some sort of superhuman to, to do it. But recognizing that we don't always have to be doing and we don't always have to be, you know, trying to have this perfect balance, like, Maybe it's not even stuff up in the air. Maybe they're just things on the ground around us and we're, we've put too much pressure on ourselves for what this is supposed to look like. Mm. So It's very fluid, isn't it? Yes. Because uh, when people say, I want to achieve balance, if we really think about balance using your visual of your arms straight out and we yeah. kind of think of that traditional, you know, some a board balancing like a teeter-totter, that if you're in perfect balance, there's actually no movement. Right. You know, that, right. And our lives are very fluid. We're, you know, we're constantly moving and and dropping balls and picking new ones up. And yeah, yeah. And having balls so it's, thrown uh, at us. It's fluid. <laughs> Yes. 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 <laughs> Curve balls. Curve balls, all the things. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious how your experience as an athletic trainer, I mean, being in the CFL, obviously around uh, high achievers and people where their goals and measuring, how that impacted or influenced your experience today as an entrepreneur and um, and doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was talking to a friend uh, not long ago about that experience, and you know, sometimes you know, as we're as we're growing up, and as we you know, we we look back on our lives, like sometimes we forget how much impact and influence things had on us. But I would say, yeah, I worked for a couple of years professional football um, in Winnipeg, and it had a profound impact on me, and you know, how I, how I showed up and, you know, how I needed to kind of put my, you know, put my foot down and show up and be confident and be, um, you know, decisive in, in how I was um, dealing with people. It was very male uh, dominant environment. Like, you know, there'd be like a hundred men and two females sort of thing. Right. And it was, um, you know, this is, this is the cream of the crop. These are the, you know, these are the athletes and the people and the coaches and managers, etc, that have worked their lives to get to this level of sports. And so and it and I would say the same thing with the athletic therapists and, you know, people working with them the doctors as well. 
And so you can't come in there and be uncertain and you can't come in there. You don't have to come in and be like, okay, I know everything. I, you know, I'm, I'm God. And I, you know, but you do have to come in and be like very decisive and okay, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to take care of this situation. I'm going to take care of you. And so, and like I said, it doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers on the spot, but you have to build trust and relationships with people to have them um, be, you know, willing to trust you with their health and what they, uh, what they need. So, you know, that was one part of it. I think another part of, you know, especially being a female in in that environment, and this is, you know, 20 some years ago, so it was even more so really having to, um, you know, go above and beyond to prove that you deserve to be there, which like, you know, nowadays that kills me to say that, you know, and I, you know, I have tried to empower many women um, to use their voice and to use their strength and their skills or whatever. And, um, you know, and I, and to do it in a way that you don't, that you don't feel like you're having to prove yourself, but the reality is we still do, you know, especially with that, um, in the, those, those types of dynamics. But um, yeah, it shaped me in many ways, you know, first and foremost, it was that confidence and, um, or faking confidence (laughs) might be a better way, (laughs) might be a better way of saying it. Um, But also, you know, being willing to use my voice and to, um, to, you know, kind of run into things um, full tilt, not, not knowing what I would do, but trusting that I would, you know, figure it out. And, and I had, you know, amazing people around me. Um, but yeah, so many lessons, like, I feel like I grew up in that, that period of my life, like it was uh, two, two years. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I learned a lot about, you know, about sports and about uh, people. And I learned a lot about myself. So mm. And one of the things you wrote a blog where it was really talking about the importance of working with heart. And you say that we talk about um, having heart in sport. Obviously, we, they talk a lot about that. But we don't really talk about that in business. You yeah. know, people say follow your gut. They're more comfortable with that language. And um, what what is your perspective on on working with heart, living with heart in business. I mean, obviously you probably do it in your own business. Yeah. It's called work of heart. Yeah. It's show up. So is working with heart, having heart, is that being your most authentic self? Uh, you, you alluded to it, you know, it's passion, it's many things, but, yeah, I think, um, yeah. you know, I, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I like, I think it's so many things. I'm actually, I've got like a, a little bit of a smirk on my face right now <laughs> because, you know, this is, <laughs> um, it's something that, I, you know, especially, you know, I'm going to say it was like probably 10, 15 years ago in the corporate world, same thing, you know, I was always uh, one of the, the few female leaders at the table, or maybe I was the, you know, maybe there were other females, but I always seemed to be the most opinionated or (laughs) willing, willing to rock the boat. But it was funny because I, I've always talked about things like this and, but I learned along the way to be mindful of the language that I used when I would describe it. So, and I would say that still applies now it's, there's less resistance to it now to saying things like heart and intuition and, 
you know, spidey sense or whatever you want to say. But years ago, when I had started out, I, you know, I remember being in a, uh, in a sales meeting. And it was myself and three other gentlemen. And we we're talking about sales strategy. And we we're talking about, you know, all the very, like, you know, corporate strategic, um, you know, preparation and planning. And, you know, we couldn't, we kept kind of going around in circles. And finally, one of the guys who, let me tell you, is like the farthest thing from woo, the farthest thing from <laughs> open to talking about heart, he turned to me and he said, Ange, what, like, what do you think? Like, what does your gut say? You always seem to know these things. And like, you always seem to like find the answers, like from, like, you know, and he, what he was trying to say, it was like from within and he was trying to say from the heart. And so I gave him an answer and, you know, I, it would be a great story if I was like, and I was exactly right <laughs> with the sales projection, <laughs> but I don't remember exactly. But I remember in that moment and, and I was like, well, you know, this is what I think it makes sense for this. And like I said, even me answering him, I said, it makes sense for this. Whereas now, you know, 10 years down the road, I would say, well, strategically, I think this intuitively, this is what I think. And because I've gotten to the point where I've been, you know, correct on this strategically and intuitively a number of times. So I don't feel the need to apologize for it. But that being said, I think that you we still do need to be mindful of the language that we use with certain people, depending on how open they are to things like if you you know, if you talk about sports, um, I mean, I love that example, because that's my background, you know, you'd say like, oh, that person gave their all like they played with such heart and passion and dedication. But, you know, there's still kind of that old school way of thinking, and especially in the corporate world, where you wouldn't talk about, you know, being, you know, heart, a heart centered achiever, or you wouldn't talk about, um, being passionate necessarily, right? So I think it's finding the balance and using the words. And and you know what? I, I'm happy to change up my language depending on who I'm talking to. Like if I know that I can change it to, mm. you know, what's your gut say, and that's going to speak and be more impactful to somebody. I'll use that word. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter to me if we're we're getting to the same end goal, but. I think, you know, heart in the workplace means many things and it's, it's digging in and figuring out like how, you know, how you want to contribute and what do you feel good about? And, you know, is, you know, how can you make your, your work more, um, you know, more aligned with how you want to live your life? That's what heart is. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about when I, because I'm thinking of heart, it comes up like gut, intuition, this uh, listening to your guidance system. And we chatted about that and, you know, know, paying attention to your signs in your life. Like I'm thinking heart is even, you know, paying attention to your intuition, you know, coming awake to that. And that, you know, you shifted your career experience a few times, yeah. you know, in the past 20 years. And how have you learned to t- tune into your heart and intuition? Because it's one thing to live your life with passion, but that then you have to tap in, like, where's that passion coming from? Where yeah. is that intense desire coming from? Yeah. Um, yeah. How have you learned to tune into your intuition? Well, I, I guess, first yeah. of all, like, when did you recognize you're being guided or mm. were paying even attention to intuition? I would say... I think I've had glimpses of it for, for probably 20 some years, you know, of, 
knowing things or getting a sense of things or, you know, um, you know, coincidences, synchronicities, like, you know, signs, whatever words you want to use. I've, this has been happening, happening to me for, yeah, 20, 30 years, maybe. But I would say it was probably about, you know, in that time frame of like five, six years ago, when I went through my health scare and my burnout, and I was trying to navigate my way through that. And I think that's when I started to become much more self-aware. And I've always Mm. been very, again, you know, I was a former competitive athlete and an athletic therapist. So I'm very, uh, what's the word? I'm very observant of how things feel in my body and how, you know, and you'll Mm. see that with, especially with high level athletes and people whose, you know, bodies are obviously important to how they perform and how they do things. But like, you know, they could tell you that they had a hangnail without looking at their finger, or they could tell you um, that their toe, their their left toe feels a little bit off, or it feels differently than it did yesterday, which to somebody else might sound completely insane. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, like I said, for, for an athlete, a high performing athlete, everything matters. And to be honest, for all of us, everything matters. It's just how, you know, self-aware you become of it. And so for me, like I said, it started with me being um, more in tuned with my body and being like, okay, you know, this shoulder doesn't feel quite right, I need to stretch it. Or, you know, I really kind of tweaked my knee the other day, playing rugby and, you know, I kind of I'm gonna have to take care of that, etc. So it started with that, you know, 30 years ago. And then over the years, I'd noticed like, okay, well, I was having a conversation with somebody and I started to get really hot and I started to get really like upset about it. And, you know, it took me like a few hours after that to kind of come down from it. Or, you know, you, you, you know, make a decision about something and it kind of felt off and you're like, you know, something doesn't quite feel right about, you know, what that person told me. And then you find out you were right about it. Right. And so like, like I said, it's Mm -hmm. kind of you're looking for the signs and things that are happening in your in your body, and things that are happening, you know, in the world around you, and then you're just kind of piecing it together. Right. And I've had this question asked of me many times of like, how do you you know, how do you hone your intuition? How do you follow your heart? How do you follow, you know, how do you do that? And I think it's a skill. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's practicing and it's, you know, taking time to reflect. That's a, that's a huge one. So, you know, if you've Mm -hmm. had an, like I said, you've had an interaction with somebody taking like, you know, I'm not saying you need to take an hour to, to dissect it, but, you know, think about, okay, well, how did I feel in that time? Like what happened there? And how did, you know, how did I show up? And what did that person say? And, um, you know, and then, you know, kind of letting it go. I'm not saying you need to keep, (laughs) don't like, don't, you know, obsessively go over and over and over this, but like, just pay attention to it. And then, you know, down the road, you know, you have the same kind of interaction again, it's like, all right, well, last time this, you know, last time I did this, something felt off, now I've got a bit of a pit in my stomach, you know, is that fear? Is it nervousness? Is it whatever? And, you know, learning to um, make decisions based on the feelings that you're getting in your in your body. Um, and also trusting yourself. 
you know, I can't tell you, like, I can't say, hey, Dana, you know, um, when something is going to feel off for you, you're going to get a a pit in your stomach. And, you know, this is what it's going to look like. For you, maybe it's something, maybe you're going to feel, you know, something in your chest or your shoulders or your, you know, you're going to get a headache or whatever. But it's, it's figuring out what the, you know, the signs are for you. So. I find it interesting that you, you started with the physical because yes. you're an athlete. Yes. Um, cause I would think the same thing. Yes. Yeah, tune into your tune inward, you know, to get to practice your intuition, but what a great way to practice is just actually have something physically you could focus on. Yeah. I think that is a skill in itself, yeah. raising awareness, whether it's something physical, and then you can move on to the emotional or spiritual right. piece where you begin to start to pay attention. So yeah. I think that's an interesting place to start if people are trying, cause people can handle tangible, right? right? Well, <laughs> they, they go, yes, I can feel my left toe. I can feel the energy in my right hand or um, that might be a great place to start. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting as well. Um, I don't know if we talked about heel documentary, Dana, but that was, that's been another part of my journey as well. And just like, you know, I, I feel like everything is connected. And so, you know, I talk about one of the things that I have talked about is, you know, it starts, you might get a nudge, right? You might, you might hear a whisper, whispers the first one. So you get a whisper of something like you kind of feel like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Hey, you know, I should do this or, Oh, I should slow down. Right. And you, but you keep going. And then the nudge is like, Oh, you know, you start to get a bit of a, you start to get a bit of a cold, right. And you're feeling kind of dragged out and you're like, I really should slow down. <laughs> and then you like, and then you yeah. don't, and you end up with pneumonia. And then you don't, <laughs> right? So I call that the punch in the face. And actually, the punch in the face can be even worse than that. Uh, but it's this is these are things like your body's speaking to you every single day. And so, you know, sometimes it comes in the like the physical form, and sometimes it comes in like in the emotional form, right? You're like you're, you're mentally exhausted, or you're, you know, you're feeling angry, or you're whatever it is, like, these are things like you're reacting to everything that's happening around you. It's true. We're like um, a little guidance system, a little throbbing, like tentacle. Exactly. (laughs) And you mentioned the heel documentary. Um, I think that can be seen on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken, if people are interested in checking that out. I checked, I think it's still there. I don't know for how much longer. Um, but yeah, Netflix, uh, did, was, was showing it last I checked. Mm-hmm. So how much does intuition play a role in you making decisions now? Like before you were starting to, you know, um, become aware of it, like you say, you get the whispers and then you get a punch in the face, yeah. something knocks you down and they go, okay, I'm going to learn from this. Mm-hmm. And how does that play a role now when you're, you're making decisions? Well, yeah, you know, I'd say it's only maybe 97%. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, It's very high. So, you know, like I said, I am, I, I try and have this balance of I'm a very, you know, strategic uh, overthinker, not necessarily a risk taker. And so I, you know, I tend to try and, you know, do the strategic thing and like weigh the pros and cons and, you know, do that. But I've learned over the years just how important my intuition is to me as, 
you know, that, um, that roadmap. And so for me, it's, it's very much uh, based on intuition. And, and like I said, it's checking in. So I might make a decision strategically, but then I check in and I'm like, okay, does this feel good? Does this feel right? Like, Mm. does this feel like I'm supposed to do this? And if it doesn't, then it's, you know, it's figuring out what that next step should look like. And how do you um, help people figure out the next step? Because it's one thing to know, I hate this, or I don't like this. But people are not sure, how do I change it? Especially if it's like a career, something big. So you have to take a baby step. Like, do, do you have any advice or insight to share on how people then take the next step if it doesn't feel right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important to have people around you that you can have Mm -hmm. frank, honest conversations with. Because there have been times where, you know, I'm here by myself, you know, trying to work through something or make a decision or whatever. And, you know, sometimes I've already decided and I'll run it by my husband or, you know, a friend or whatever. But there's other times where you like I'll be having a conversation with somebody and they'll they'll ask me, you know, different questions and it'll come out of my mouth like exactly what I do or don't want and why. But mm. if somebody hadn't asked me that question, I wouldn't have necessarily been able to get to it maybe as easily. Maybe eventually I would have. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's important to have people that you trust and people that you can have those like frank conversations so that you're not So that you're able to tell them the whole story. Because if you're only giving someone part of the story and you're asking them advice on if you should quit your job or you should start this business or whatever, if you're not telling them the whole story and they're not, you know, your biggest advocate, then they're not going to, you shouldn't be taking advice from them. But I would say, you know what I mean? Like, I think having people around you, I, I've used the the mirror example a few times, but having people around you that can kind of hold the mirror up for you at, so mm-hmm. that you can recognize like where you're at and, you know, have, it's almost like you're having a conversation with yourself, but you're verbalizing it to somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a lot of power in verbalizing and yeah. articulate. I mean, uh, hence that's the power of coaching. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can speak from my own experience uh, when I, you know, how I even got into this industry is being coached yeah. and not really knowing what that was. Yeah. But I remember having the feeling for the first time that all the attention was on me and all the questions were about me. And I remember answering them and thinking, like, am, am I making those answers up? Where are they coming right? from? But it's the value in hearing it out loud. Yes. And being able to sort through what you actually want, because I think I hear this analogy a lot and I've used it myself, you know, the hamsters on the wheel. And I think in order to get the hamster on the wheel, you have to actually answer a question and embed it right in that word question is the word quest. So a a question is powerful because it can throw you off that wheel onto a path, you know, any path. That's the thing, right? And I, and I say that, you know, I say that as well as a coach, but there's times where like, I can't necessarily coach myself. So even if I have all those amazing questions, you know, it's it's almost more like if you have a coach that or or a friend or a mentor, whatever, that you can have a conversation with, and it's very, you know, easygoing, and they ask you a question. And it's like, okay, well, what does you know, I just want thing like one thing that I will say repeatedly, I just want things to be easy. (laughs) And the best, the best thing to ask me is like, 
well, what does easy look like? Or what does, what does this yeah. look like? And you're like, well, it looks like this. And then you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, then why am I making it difficult? Right. So anyway, but like I said, it's, it's having people yeah. around you to ask questions. And I, I was going to say, ask the right questions, but like ask the question, the right questions that you need. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there is value in having people around you who are cheerleaders, yes. but people go telling you it's going to be okay. Or you've got this or <laughs> you're giving you confidence, which is great, but it doesn't help you shift the path. And that's the power of coaching yeah. or going to therapy or, yeah. you know, it's just having, and someone holding you accountable. Journaling's great too, yes. but someone going, well, what would the answer be? And waiting for it. It's like, well, you haven't answered it. What would you be your first response? Like something right? they like throw me a bone here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And someone holding your feet to the fire. There's so much power in that. And, you know, I don't think I understood that until actually I became a coach. And I'm like, the power of unlocking that conversation within a person and maybe hearing it for the first time is pretty powerful, you know? Absolutely. That's it. Yep. Uh, One of the things you talk about is um, the rule of three when it comes to sign. I think it's kind of cool. And yeah, I don't know if we call it law of attraction or we call, mm-hmm. what do you call it? <laughs> Tell us what you the know, rule is. Well, I mean, listen, I, I subscribe to all kinds of different things and, you know, some of them, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what the, the names are, but yeah, a number of years ago I had discovered the secret and, you know, the law of attraction and, yeah. you know, all of that. And it, you know, it felt like I had always known it. I also, the other book too, I haven't talked about this in a while, actually, Dana, is The Celestine Prophecy. That one was... Oh, yeah, that was a really popular one way back. Yeah, and and yeah, so a few things, a few things like that kind of all happened around the same time. And, you know, and so then it was, it was almost like this little secret door in my subconscious or conscious or whatever had opened up. And I recognized that all of these things that had happened to me over, you know, at this point, it was, let's say 20 years. So all these things that I'd been thinking or seeing or noticing or whatever, um, they weren't coincidence or me saying like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Hey, you know, I would love to, I wish I'd, I'm so hungry. I, I wish I could just find a peanut butter cliff bar or whatever. I'm looking at my desk. <laughs> I have a peanut butter cliff bar yeah. on my desk. Um, but like, oh, I, I would just, I would love that. And then the next thing you know, like one turns up, right? And uh, yeah, so like things like that and, and just recognizing that, you know, if you ask for a sign, if you're like, oh, you know, God or whatever you believe in, you know, please just like help me out here, right? And you know, recognizing that when a sign comes, not to dismiss it and not to be like, oh, well, that's mm-hmm. not what I meant. Well, okay. I want right? a better one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I always have a flock of blue jays on my driveway, like, you know, or whatever it is, right? So, um, yeah. but yeah, so somewhere along the, the way, I, you know, st- started to kind of pick up on um, a lot of this and kept adding it and putting it into my, like, I call it my my toolbox, Right. And so, you know, and I'm, I'm an avid reader, I am, you know, I'm fiercely curious about things. And so if I feel, you know, I do have the rule of three, which I'll talk, talk to you about. Um, But I also if I feel, you know, really drawn to something, you know, I something pops up on, you know, my computer, Facebook, or, you know, I'm reading the newspaper, and something very random, you know, is kind of pulling me in. 
I follow it. And I, I refer to that as inspired action. Mm. Um, or if I feel like if I get the, you know, if I'm got this feeling like, Oh, you know, I should call Dana, like, well, I haven't talked to Dana in forever. Well, I just call her. Right. So there's those things that are like, I feel like pulls and I just pay attention now. And I'm like, don't like, don't dismiss it. But my rule of three, I think like, I'm very much, I like structure. I like things, you know, I, I like rule, like, I don't like rules if somebody else is making the rules, <laughs> but, but <laughs> you like your own, rules. like my own rules. Well, and I feel like if I give myself rules, then it, you know, it's, it's that accountability that not that I don't necessarily have from someone else, right? So it started off uh, a, a couple of years ago, and it would be like, all right, okay, yeah, so 17 people have told me I need to read that book, like, I should probably read that book. <laughs> and then I'd read the book, and I'd be like, Whoa, my God, that that book blew my mind, or, you know, 10 people would say like, Oh, Angela, like you would really get along with so-and-so like you should connect with them. And then I finally do. And I'm like, okay, right. Like, why did I take so long to do that? So anyway, somewhere along the line, I said, okay, rule of three, if something, you know, comes up for me. So like, it could be someone telling me about it, someone emailing me, or I see it on, you know, on a computer, or I see a sign or if it pops in my head, that's another one too. It's like, you know, if it if it pops in my head, oh, you know, I should, um, you know, I should go talk to this person or like, oh, I, you know, I'm super curious about hypnotherapy. That's one that's been like coming up for me um, the last year. So it's like, okay, hypnotherapy keeps coming up. Like you need to do something about it. So, and there's times where I go way past the rule of three. Uh, but I trust the timing of things. And I know that, um, you know, that everything that's meant for me will find me is my um, belief. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And a rule of three is a way for you to put some structure around it that when you hear it or exactly. experience it three times, may, maybe I should do something. Exactly. Like and that, yeah. I think that's, the, good rule. yeah, I think it's, you know, like I said, for the ones that like are, that feel like a whisper. So like I said, it could be like, oh yeah, I wonder how Dana is doing. Right. Like that might be a whisper, but if it's like, yeah. I wonder how Dana is doing like that, you know, it comes up and then someone else is like, Oh, I was talking to Dana Lloyd today, Papa, you know, and then and then you're, you're, um, you yeah. know, then something like a message from you pops up. It's like, all right, like, come on, Ange, <laughs> like, act on this. This yeah. is not coincidence. It's, it, it's so interesting how that happens. Because I've, there's some, you know, often I'll share resources, or maybe it's a little video clip or something. I just feel like, Oh, I talked to somebody about this, I want to share it with them. And they'll, and they'll respond. respond like you have no idea how much I needed this today. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the timing of someone else receiving it just because you acted on that impulse is all astounds me. Yes you know, all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I, I've learned that yeah. with, um, with work of heart with my Facebook page. So I, I post daily on their, um, you know, inspirational content or, you know, things to think about, etc. And I frequently, frequently will get message messages, like sometimes, you know, multiple messages from totally different people that are like, you posted me, you posted that for me today, didn't you? <laughs> And I'm like, mm, actually, no, I posted that for me, or I posted that because of that. But, you know, I'm glad when it works out that way. Mm, yeah, it's needed. Yeah. Is there anything that you um, that you want to say about your own business or about working with heart um, that I haven't asked you about? Hmm. 
Good question. You know, I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit um, previously, but, you know, I think that a lot of us get really caught up in, you know, one of the things that I, I mean, I talk about it in my business because it's aligned with, um, with my branding, but, you know, I talk about following your heart and I talk about, you know, trusting your intuition. I talk about, you know, I talk about these things and, you know, I think sometimes we feel like it's going to be, um, oh, and I, when I say we, I mean, I'm talking about Angela 15 years ago. If I had read Follow Your Heart, I would get really frustrated and I'd be like, I'm trying, like, I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels very hard and it feels maybe that, you know, again, depending on where you're at in your life and your career and, you know, from a mental health perspective, you know, it can feel like it's unattainable. And, you know, I think mm. my, um, you know, advice maybe is just kind of slow it down and, you know, break it down into smaller things. Like, what can make you happy right now? Like, if you're feeling kind of stuck, or if you're feeling like, if, if you're feeling, let's say that, you know, that you're meant to do something different, or you're feeling like you're stuck in your career or your life or whatever, don't look at it like, okay, what are the 85 major changes that I need to make in my life? Right? Like, because, Mm. you know, sometimes it is 85 major changes. But it's like, okay, what, what is one small thing that I can do? And so following your heart or trusting the process or whatever, it can be like, all right, you know what, today, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to clear off my desk, I'm going to create some space for myself, or, you know what, maybe you like knitting, maybe you like sewing, maybe you want to color, like, you know, it can be super tiny things like that. Or it can be, you know, you're, you know, you've always wanted to learn, um, you know, floral design. So it doesn't mean that you need to quit your job and go sign up to, I don't know, is there a floral design school? <laughs> no, sometimes I just make things up, but <laughs> you just invented, I just it. invented it. I think it is a thing, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that you need to quit your job and make that major change. Maybe it's saying to a friend, you know what? Mm. I love floral design. I love playing with flowers. Maybe it's going and buying yourself some flowers. Maybe it's just Googling it that's following your heart and trusting the process, right? It doesn't need to be this major profound thing that you, you know, you need to go and do. And, and I feel like that, um, you know, sometimes people will look to, you know, where you and I are both at. And, you know, maybe that's what they want, or maybe they want the amount of changes, or maybe they want whatever it is. But, you know, the reality is for you and I, like, there's thousands of things like there's thousands of things that we've done to get to where we're at. And some of them might have been, Mm. you know, like I said, maybe it's taking five minutes to do a meditation, or writing or whatever. So I think that's Mm. my advice. Mm. And to be super clear, if someone's listening, and they go, Hey, this lady's kind of cool. What is it that you can help people with? Well, what are people hiring? What do people hire me for? Well, (laughs) <laughs> lots of things i know you're a problem yes. solver and you have a not lot of floral design. In business and <laughs> they're not hiring me for floral design. <laughs> not today <laughs> um yeah. but yeah so right now my focus is on uh, business and mindset coaching uh i was so work of heart is you know i have an online community 
I was doing in-person events. Uh, thanks to COVID, I am not doing in, in-person events right mm-hmm. now. But yeah, so I really shifted things to be online and focused on, you know, what I call heart-centered high achievers. So I work with people to, you know, figure out where they're at right now, where they want to go, and what are the steps that we need to take to get there. So, you know, I think that everyone that I work with comes with a different set of skills and needs and limiting beliefs. So some people might come to me and need more of that, um, you know, that strategy, right, whether it's business or life. And they're, you know, they're here and they want to go to the next level. Some people come to me and they're really stuck and unsure of like, you know, how to navigate. And so that's kind of my, uh, that's my zone of genius. And yeah, it's Mm. how I love to help people. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. I just have a last few soul sister rapid fire questions. Ooh, good one. (laughs) What? Ooh, here you go. (laughs) What have you come to know about the power of being you? Mm. I would say, you know, I think that I have not given myself enough credit over the years. And there is so much power in being myself and recognizing how unique and different I am in the world and recognizing that I'm not average because that's something that I told myself for for many years. I'm just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, here I am on the other side realizing that I love being different and I love kind of doing things my own way. And I love, Mm. you know, I love being me. Awesome. What has become abundantly clear to you? Oh, two things. I would say, and actually I'm looking at a poster, um, a painting in my office right now, right across from me. And it says, you are exactly where you need to be. So that one, you know, just Mm. rings clear for me every day, every week that, you know, whatever is happening, whatever is going on in my life, I'm exactly where I need to be. And, you know, and I, I, we talked a little bit about this as well, but, you know, I'm not going to find happiness somewhere else. I'm need to be happy now today with where I'm at and what Mm. is happening around me. And that one that let me tell you, that's been, that's been a hard, long journey to get to that place. But yeah, it's a good one. And lastly, what does the world need most? Um, I'll be honest, I wanted to just like break into song and be like, what the world <laughs> needs now? <laughs> they need more infectious they energy. Need, they need more <laughs> infectious energy. I do think the world needs more love and kindness and respect. And I mm-hmm. think that I feel that the world, you know, all of us can be far more um, respectful of our differences and understanding of, of where people are, of where people are at and where they're coming from and recognizing that, you know, we don't all have to be right. 
all the time, right? There, you know, and right. when when you're in the middle of a conversation, I mean, I get frustrated sometimes with people, um, my poor husband. Um, but uh, you know, I you get frustrated with things if it doesn't align with what you think or you know what you feel the world should look like. I, I know that it, it's it's easy to get frustrated, but at the same time, you know, sometimes if you pause and you ask questions and you really listen you might understand where someone's coming from. It doesn't mean, and I'm not saying that you have to agree with it. And I'm not saying that you need to go along with it, especially if someone is, you know, a terrible person or if they're, um, you know, racist or disrespectful or whatever. But, you know, having that ability to kind of slow down and um, understand, you know, why that person is the way that they are can be powerful. And I, you know, I think what we've all learned over the last year, I mean, people certainly have shown their true colors. Um, I think a lot more in the last year online and in, in the, in the real world. Um, and yeah, I think it's an opportunity for us to really decide who we want to be and how we want to interact with other people. And like I said, I think it's, um, it's respect and kindness. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to leave um, this episode with a, a few lines of your blog, because I think it kind of wraps up what we're talking about nicely. And you say, I implore you, please work from the heart, speak from the heart and listen intently to what people truly need and want. Start with their hearts too. As Steve Jobs said, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition they somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Thank you, Angela, for your time and your insight today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Dana. I'm Dana Lloyd. And I'm Elaine Shannon. You've been listening to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast. You can connect with Dana at DanaLloydLeadership.com. And you can connect with Elaine at ElaineShannon.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join us for more Soul Sister Conversations. Thanks for listening.